everyone, it's Kira here. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is uh, a bit of an overview of one year of global pandemic and how that's been for me. I know everyone has had a completely different situation, but we have some things in common. And uh, if you're interested to hear from my point of view, keep listening. Thanks. Hi, I'm Kira Burgess, and you're listening to the Soul Insight Podcast, where we'll explore diverse perspectives of living on purpose and in alignment. In alignment with your heart, your soul, your truth, your values, and your connection to something greater. Basically, we're going to talk about how to live a fulfilling life. Hello everyone, thanks for joining. It's Kira here. It is Wednesday, March 10th in the afternoon. Um, yeah, as I look at the calendar, I'm realizing it was a year ago. Tomorrow, I'm pretty sure it was a Thursday that they announced the global pandemic. And as much as I think a lot of people are tired of thinking about it and talking about it, I mean, how can you not reflect back on a year of the first global pandemic most of us have ever lived through? And I'll see if I can put a a spin on it of, you know, being aware on a soul level of what this has been for us. I know for some people, not much has changed. For some people, everything has changed including loss of loved ones, uh, loss of jobs, change of living place, uh, distancing from loved ones. It's been quite a year. Yeah, so um, before we even reflect, let's get present right here, right now. So whether you're sitting to listen or moving around or whatever you're doing, just take a moment to get a little more present. We'll take a few deep breaths together. So bring your awareness to the edges of your skin and then gradually move your awareness inward through your flesh to your skeleton, to your bones. And just be aware of your physical being and start to take a few deep breaths in through the nose, filling up and out through the mouth, letting go. Breathing in through the nose, filling up, and letting it go. See if you can fill your belly, fill your lungs as you breathe in. Empty the belly and lungs as you exhale, releasing. Two more. Breathe to fill your body with breath. And empty yourself of breath. And then take three more with your mouth closed, if that feels okay for you. Slower breath, eyes closed if you can. Being present with yourself. I said three, but let's do three more in silence.
awesome. And just take a moment to contemplate how are you? How are you in this moment compared to the moments before? The minutes, the hours before? How are you compared to the days you've had before this? The weeks? The months? The 12 months? Maybe first just looking back to, let's say, the end of last year to the end of last summer if you're in the northern hemisphere and notice a change in seasons and then all the way back to last spring this time 365 days ago notice how far you've come notice Notice that you're a different person. And I think we would all be a different person after a year, but I'm guessing for most of us, we've evolved in some way or changed in some way in the last year. Um, And I don't know if it's been this way for everyone, but my experience has been as the outer experience was changing so was the inner experience for me and so were the experiences in my family life yeah like where do we begin (laughs) how's this year been for me I mean the last few years have been I'm reflecting on it and as I get a little more space away from it I'm seeing more and more things but just a lot of change and if you know anything about astrology um, Pluto has been transiting it's been moving past so the the Pluto in the sky has been moving past um, on my natal chart my ascendant like basically the exact degrees and it's Pluto has been in and out of retrograde so for the last I'm trying to think if it's been two or three years uh, it's finally getting a, a few degrees away from my the degree of my ascendant in Capricorn but the way I'm looking at it is so if you don't know the planet Pluto and it's kind of symbology and archetype and mythology Pluto is the planet that represents death rebirth destruction transformation um and all of that in a way I I feel like all of the cosmic bodies are are looking out for us to align ourselves to our truth, but Pluto does it in a way that can seem really intense. And I've learned to, um, you know, become friends, or at least see the, the benefits, see the good sides of some of these harder things. Uh, and some people, because Pluto moves so slow, some people will never have um, Pluto pass their ascendant. So I'm, I'm just contemplating that as well like what is it in in my life in my karma in my purpose or what was it that my soul chose for me to go through this over the last few years um yeah and so what else so last year on March 1st or I guess it would be the day before March 1st April 30th Um, I was living with my cousin and uh, she was going to rent out her whole house. So she gave me notice, 30 days notice to move out. 
uh, which was fine and she had mentioned it before but I um, was still a little bit like okay this is real there will be change <laughs> so two weeks before the the more shocking change I already was notified um, to that uh, like things will be changing and and even when you choose to move I think that's kind of like the word that's coming to mind is up upheaval and it doesn't have to be upheaval but it's like it's a lot it's a transformation and some people like my parents haven't moved for 30 years or 31 years or something <laughs> you know some people move many times but uh, and I've moved yeah I'm I am not settled in one location at the moment so for me it's not so uh foreign to me to move but it's still like ungrounding and so actually what I did was what should I do should I should I sign a lease or should I travel and just like use my parents place as a home base so I decided travel for sure <laughs> so but I didn't have a ton of money available to me so I thought well I could you know find a way to bill it somewhere and I'd always thought of being an au pair and even though I'm I'm 35 now so I was 34 like yeah sure that's like maybe seems a little older to do that but I'm not married I'm not with a partner I don't have kids I don't have a house I don't have a mortgage to pay so as soon as I got this notice to move I applied to aupair.com to be an au pair like a nanny and I think it's a French name so I might have started in Europe anyways and and I uh Portugal has been at the top of my list of places to go it's and not in a practical way, in like a soulful way. Like it, it's like a deep calling. And I spent a year in Spain in 2009, 2009, <laughs> uh, studying design. And that whole year I was there. I mean, we were students, so we were on a student budget. And our, our schooling also included trips around Europe. So... I got a lot of traveling in and you just, you know, you can't go everywhere in a year. So I hadn't, even though it's like neighboring to the west of Spain, uh, I have never been. And it's really calling me. And actually I had some friends who were going to host a retreat to Portugal, which uh, wasn't going to happen for me. But I thought, hey, maybe I'd be able to see them there if I was being an au pair. And, and when I, so when I filled out this form... Uh, to apply to be an au pair you could choose you could choose any country you could choose all the countries and I think I chose first I chose Portugal and then I chose I thought you know why why be picky you know and I I chose a few more countries maybe like six I can't I can't remember anymore which ones and then I before I submitted it I thought you know what I'm just gonna be really specific because where I want to really want to go is Portugal and um, now my mind is just like backtracking to January. I'm wondering if I should tell that story too. So, but yeah, so I decided I'll just say Portugal because that's where I really want to go. And within a day, within half a day, someone contacted me. So it was a, a woman who works, um, well, I guess I won't say where she works, but her and her husband were both doctors. They were not uh, Portuguese of nationality. One of them was European and one of them was African. 
and they're both doctors and they needed an au pair because they each travel for work and their daughters were teenagers and the younger daughter needed some extra support with homework and they just needed an adult to be there so I ended up talking to these people three or four times within that week and I was about to sign a contract and then we started to hear more and more about this COVID-19 you know more in Europe people weren't traveling so much I think a lot of us were in denial my mom was having like really in strong intuitive feelings and like uh telling me you won't you won't be going you won't be going and I just was resistant and mad and like rejected her and didn't didn't realize like I thought she was trying to shut down my my dream and my idea and my plan and being unsupportive but really she just had this deep knowing this feeling uh yeah that that nobody would be traveling for quite a while and so uh yeah, so I guess in those like 11 days, I was about to sign this contract and then they announced a global pandemic. And so we said, yep, let's just cancel it for now and maybe wait, you know, till the end of the month and see how things are going. And um, yeah, we all know where things went. <laughs> Travel did not open up, you know, it wasn't just two weeks of lockdown and isolation uh it, you know it carried on and it, we're still in certain um a certain level of caution and isolation um hmm yeah I mean how do you even sum up a year of global pandemic <laughs> in one podcast but I'll just mention like back to this power of manifesting and you know allowing myself to be so specific in only choosing Portugal and like really having you know applying the night like making the decision the night that I got my notice and applying and getting in contact with these people like in 12 hours like I went to bed and woke up and I had an email anyway so that was March that was like the beginning of March so just so not even six weeks before like five weeks before I was in Hawaii hosting, co-hosting a retreat with my friends Ange and Mary Grace. And um, when our participants were not there, I must have been after the retreat. I can't remember. Or maybe they were upstairs or anyways, uh, we were each kind of talking about our dream. And they were like, Kira, like dream, like what do you dream of? What do you dream of? Like just anything. And I was like, yeah, I want to. I live in Europe, like France or somewhere. I didn't say Portugal because I, I didn't know. I don't know exactly what it's like there, but somewhere European, you know, Spain, France, Italy, Portugal, and I just see myself living, you know, outside of a town. I got a bicycle. There's like growing, like there's like an orchard and fruit and, you know, things growing in my backyard and. I just see myself like riding my bike to go pick up bread and sharing food with neighbors and you know the sun is shining and um yeah and they were just like yep yeah, go for it make it happen and I didn't you know I didn't really connect the dots and everything other than the travel ban um 
lined up within five weeks. That was where I was going to be going. That family had uh, basically an orchard in their backyard. They lived outside of a town, so a bike ride away from town. And yeah, they sent me photos and it was just gorgeous, a gorgeous place. I'm sure the whole country is gorgeous. So that's on hold. (laughs) I haven't really been in touch with them because I have no intention of traveling at the moment. Um, I mean, I would, but in, I'm currently not feeling like, like planning things that will have to be canceled. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And then fast, well, not, well, I'm going to like, where do I go next? (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'll just talk chronologically through the year. So yeah, it's still so much to process. So I'm glad you're here listening if this is of interest to you and I'm I'm certain every human has a different experience but some something similar. So I was working as a waitress at a restaurant and I didn't work the Wednesday but I went in on the Thursday and that was I think that morning the World Health Organization had announced the global pandemic. And the restaurant was dead. I think we had two clients, like two tables the whole night. (laughs) And one of the owners sometimes would come late, like after her other job. And she came in and she was like, where, where is everyone? Yesterday was packed. And, and I said, yeah, well, they announced the global pandemic. Maybe people are kind of like stressed and nervous and, and I'm just kind of half transporting myself back to that moment and I I remember they were like no no it's not gonna be that bad like it's nothing and yeah they you know what they've stayed in business this whole year doing so much takeout and uh, I haven't actually spoken to them because they laid me off not that's not why I haven't spoken to them but because I haven't been going to work and and I was living with my parents and taking care of my grandma and with all of that combined it just didn't feel like the right thing to do to be in an environment where where people are going and taking off their masks and then I would be handling the things they'd put in their mouth and just like I had nightmares actually I've actually had multiple nightmares through the year of being a waitress during COVID and it's just like like reading through all the restrictions of what you have to do like you can't go to two different tables you have to sanitize or wash your hands like between every single thing you touch uh yeah I mean it's all it all makes sense but to me it's like what's the point of even doing all those things for the risks that it that it contains so anyways that was like that was the start of it all well even before because my mom kind of knew and I remember like last January seeing some posts on Instagram of all these people in China I don't know if it was Wuhan or where but they were all singing out their windows in these skyscrapers at night to to like keep each other's moods up and I thought oh that's so beautiful that's so amazing what humans are doing and also like so like how could you imagine that kind of thing would happen? And I just remember before March thinking, oh yeah, that's happening in China, but that won't be happening here. That's like, 
so far away it's across the world and that was probably before I went to Hawaii and then when I went to Hawaii at the end of January uh, by the time I came home the airports were already asking questions like when you arrived you had to answer like on a computer screen a questionnaire of if you had any symptoms and where you were landing from and if you had traveled through China or different things like that so then it was like okay this is becoming more real and and then my brother and his wife his now wife got married at the end of February and and what I call it is the last party of 2020 <laughs> February who who would have known and we even like when they got the photos back and I was looking through them everybody said the same thing like I can't believe because I was in the wedding party I can't believe we got in a limousine and shared a bottle of champagne and drank it from the bottle <laughs> oh my god you know like that used to be somewhat normal it's not normal anymore and even like looking I don't know how many like would it be like two months or six weeks after the wedding to look at those photos and and think oh my gosh what were we doing <laughs> and they had like they had a receiving line. I don't remember how many people came to their wedding. Let's say 150. And not everyone participated. But after the ceremony, the wedding party lined up and like stood in a line and greeted all the guests and like said hello. And because it's like my brother and because my sister-in-law is my friend and, you know, I was at her her um stag in and stuff I knew a lot of people so there was like so many hugs and those also like so it was the last party of 2020 and it was also like the last hugs that was me stocking up on hugs <laughs> because I didn't barely get any hugs for the rest of the year um but yeah like holy that could have been you know a super spreader event <laughs> uh, anyways it wasn't so that's good um, yeah, so that was February. And then they went on their honeymoon, actually, to Hawaii as well. And they, too, like, they just missed the point where people had to isolate. And uh, they were thinking, well, maybe we should just isolate voluntarily. Because who knows what, what this virus is. And that was kind of the timing of that. And, yeah, and then the two weeks of isolation started. I... I stopped working at the restaurant. I took a I took a layoff, and uh, my my parents bought from my grandparents as they aged uh, their leisure land. So we call it the farm, and we would go out there like every couple months, I'd say on average. And but this past year, through the spring and summer, we went almost every weekend. My mom and dad and I because we were all living in the same house and yeah and I had this um inspiration actually for their backyard not for the cabin to to create a round garden I just find circles really inspiring and um I think there's some, something sacred about a circle compared to you know just a default square or rectangular garden so I had mentioned, like, wouldn't it be cool to have a round garden? <laughs> and I was visualizing in my parents' backyard. But we were out at the cabin early in the spring last year, and I went out to see what my dad was doing and maybe call him for lunch or something. And he was 
out in the garden, cutting, cutting the garden into a circle. <laughs> and so I, I was like, okay, we're doing this. It's going to be a round garden. So I researched um, some symbols of the medicine wheel. I wanted to, I wanted to have it be inspired by the medicine wheel and the four directions and the elements and all of these things. And we used a compass and we marked it out and we made four quadrants for the north, the south, the east and the west. And so the pathways aren't on those lines, but 45 degrees or, or 90, 45 degrees from those lines so that there's four quadrants that are exactly po pointing to the north, south, east, and west. And then we've got a gate or the entrance in the east side where the sun rises. And that's where the entrance is. And the interesting thing is that, uh, so the garden already existed, but once we marked it out with the compass and marked those lines, the, the north, south, and the east, west, they actually lined up perfectly with one tree that's very noticeable across the, like across the field and across the road and up the hill. And the other line pointed like straight to the fireplace, like the heart of the home of the cabin, which I found so interesting. So it's funny how those things work out. Um, but yeah, it was, and then even the rows. So in the center of the garden, we, we made a circular kind of gravel spot with a tree stump for a stool or a, yeah, I guess a stool. Um, and laid some bricks around it and one of the bricks was from my grandma's school I believe she had collected it and it was out at the cabin and we still had it and so kind of an homage to my grandmother and homage to the beautiful indigenous teachings that I only know you know just a little hint about um but respect so much uh yeah and then, yeah, so we even planted the rows in round, you know, radiating round rows of plants and flowers and vegetables. And it turned out really beautiful. And my niece and nephew got to experience more of a full-on garden. And that was fun. My, we planted beans and sunflowers with them and gave them each a magic beanstalk and... Uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, it was just fun because my, like, they helped plant seeds, they helped water them, they helped harvest later on in the season. So that was really special. I'm just going to take a sip of tea and a deep breath. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so that's. that's part of the last year and for me you know it was sort of um okay this is happening okay we're we're supposed to isolate and cut down on contact with other people to reduce the load and the risk on the health system and people's health and yeah so I was you know, and like add on there, like my parents are older and my grandma's even older and more susceptible and I was going to, to see her. So for me, it didn't, it wasn't so bad. And I actually don't mind B 
being more of a hermit. I don't mind turning inward. <laughs> um, being alone. I didn't grieve so much. Um, the loss of the socializing and like bars and restaurants and going to work and because I think I'm more of an introvert and I was already like before I moved to my parents I was living on the edge of town and going for walks and like it was a neighborhood but I would like walk into coyotes you know like I was already used to spending a lot of time alone and not spending a lot of money so I wasn't out at restaurants I wasn't shopping um and that's yeah also for like sustainability reasons so financial and sustainable reasons um or ecological so I didn't experience that grief so much I know some people have and I I I think but I do like I did really miss like oh just going for a coffee going to sit in a cafe or you know just being able to make plans with friends without having to think about it and uh, see if it if it matches the guidelines and I noticed so many people that's their their feeling is just I can't wait for this to be over and I I mean I guess that's a really normal response but to me it feels like a a way of that would be for me a, a way of staying stuck and and denying what's happening denying the present moment and hmm so yeah there are things that I'd I'd like to be normal again but I don't mind I don't mind the slower pace and part of me is hoping that like myself other people did have a chance to reevaluate what's important to them what are their values what are their priorities what are they now maybe willing or able or or wanting to live without or live uh with less and yeah and what's really important i'm realizing what i what i forgot to say about the garden so we made this medicine wheel garden and then it might have it wasn't long after, like a month later, my dad broke his leg out at the cabin because it was so rainy that the ground was just saturated and he slipped down the hill. And so it was almost like this psychic knowing of him that, oh, like, I'll have to get Kira invested in the garden because she'll need to tend to it because I had never really been invested in it ever before. Interested, maybe. Invested, no. And... He was always the caretaker of the garden and and because it was like my design and my inspiration and you know like my little project or big project it i was totally invested and so you know there was someone to care for the garden even though he was in, like in limited mobility for you know minimum six weeks six to eight weeks and <laughs> i say limited but he still did all kinds of things he he would drag hoses around to water the trees with, like, his crutches and his cast and a wagon. And he, he uh, eventually got on the, the John Deere mower and used the crutch to press the gas and brake. <laughs> and uh, 
like put his leg up on top of the lawnmower. So <laughs> even though he was somewhat limited, he he didn't let it limit him too much. He he healed well, but he he didn't let it stop him from moving. That's just the kind of guy he is. Yep. So that was the garden and the cabin. Beautiful spring and summer. And, you know, to be out in nature every weekend. That was amazing. And then... Just trying to think what else... And then, so, yeah, so... My brothers and one of my sister-in-laws have their birthday in the summer. So what, what I... Like, the one thing I noticed myself making the effort for this past year because you know it was it was depressing it was it did feel a bit stagnant it felt sad it felt did feel isolating but we were able to join in bubbles at these points and so I made those birthday parties special and we did like backyard games for my niece and nephew and we had balloons and so those were ways that we made and like dressed up you know like this whole past year I've barely dressed up except for my friend's wedding she got married on zoom (laughs) and I was like I'm dressing up and these birthdays I dressed up but other than that you know it's it it makes you realize where some of these traditions have come from like from our ancestors and like the war era or the depression and you know finding the simplest ways to make something special or, or the most economical ways to make something special and and realizing it can be the simplest things, you know, like baking a simple cake or loaf or or um, just finding one special article of clothing to or like one little decoration to brighten your day. Because back in those days, I mean, I can't exactly compare it, but I mean, just kind of getting a little bit more insight in like what what is it like to live in hardship and what would it have been like when you have like way more limited resources and still trying to bring joy to yourself and the people around you and the children around you and the adults around you and yeah like how do you how do you celebrate a birthday when the only people can come are the ones in your immediate circle and yeah, I'm I'm willing. I mean, I know there's things to grieve. I know there's people who had babies who didn't get to meet like anyone all year. I know there's people who were even more affected by by being so isolated through the past year. But there are for myself, there's things to acknowledge as beautiful lessons even through the hardship, even through the challenge. And I feel more and more called to live a simpler life and yeah definitely to live closer with nature like to have a multiple daily uh, communions with nature and to minimize to minimize my consumerism to minimize my waste to minimize my ignorance um, and then just really reevaluating, like, what do I need and what's important to me? And because there was, you know, we talk about this, the rat race or how, uh, you know, some people's point of view, including mine is like, 
I don't want it to go back to normal because normal wasn't working. Normal wasn't good. Normal was leading to burnout. Normal was like, you know, being on a train that can't slow down. That's kind of what it felt like. And I don't know. I'm, I mean, I guess this is just a projection, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not the only one who's come to realize what's really important and to realize that life doesn't have to be so complicated and we can find joy and love and success and celebration in the simple things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a little break and we'll be back shortly. Thank you for listening. back um so honestly I'm feeling a bit tired it's it feels like a lot maybe there's a lot to process in telling that story and as I as I stepped away to take a break to go to the bathroom and have a snack I'm I'm feeling like well this is just it you know like my capacity for almost everything has has been reduced over this last year um, there were already some reasons for me to, to like, be having that growing over the last couple years, but it's definitely, be, definitely been reduced over the last year, and over that time I, of taking my break, I'm now realizing, oh, there's, like, there's a huge part of this story I didn't tell, and, and then there's more I want to tell as we moved into the fall, and, yeah, I'm also pondering, like, maybe it would be nice to interview some of you and hear some completely different points of view. I mean, even in the same family and the same, um, like, town and the same income bracket, probably. I, I have two cousins, one who's a nurse and one who is um, leaning towards not wanting to wear masks and um it's just been such an interesting and at times polarizing and confrontational topic and year and so much to process and um I think it is it's tiring and our capacities are less and it has been sort of a, a global trauma and I I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, you know, like a capital T trauma, but this has been a version of challenge or hardship that we're not used to. And um, I have been spending the year, you know, trying to understand things from other people's points of view. Uh, I also, I've told some people this, but I also watched The Handmaid's Tale. I think there are three seasons and there's a fourth one coming out. Anyways, I watched that, like, based off the book by Margaret Atwood, who's just, you know, she's full of social critique and insight. And she, you know, the thing about that storyline, that show is, it's absurd and preposterous and also it hits pretty close to home and so between between sitting back and observing this pandemic 
because I wasn't a frontline worker and I was choosing the path of of like stay just stay out of the way just stay out of public um if you don't have to be in the way if you don't if you don't have to risk like being one more burden on the healthcare system don't and I think it has uh definitely been influenced because I'm living with my parents because of my mom's point of view uh because of my grandma's point of view and how I would like what would be required for me to be respectful of them and their needs and their point of view and their quality of life and yeah I'm just seeing now wow how how can you possibly fit all of this into one episode (laughs) so maybe this will be a a longer thing maybe there'll be a part two and even maybe uh, I'll speak to some other people from their point of view because you know, there's been the range, you know, there's been the people who, who are required to be at work because we need them there, you know, like healthcare workers and grocery store employees and delivery people and wow, the list goes on and, um, and then there's, you know, the people who were already barely making ends meet and now this you know, uh, people who, who have health risks or compromises, but their job is a frontline job and you can't quit your job and still be supported by the government. There might be things around that that I'm not sure of if there are amazing, but I just mean, this has been just so complex and, and one thing I've really... I can't even say just one thing. I've just been observing and noticing and like kind of noticing the human condition and noticing how people get triggered and how we behave when we're stressed and when we're under trauma. And one topic that I've sort of been paying attention to and and in myself as well, but I, because I see it in myself, I see it around myself, is, is this, this sort of feeling that I think many of us take on, which is when someone has a different opinion it's a threat to me and what I believe and I honestly I pray I hope I wish yeah I pray like may we gather the patience the compassion the understanding to realize that we don't know the extent of where people are coming from and what their point of view is and why and what could be triggered from their intuition and what could be triggered from past hurts and past traumas and and the other thing is like this world of uh, polarity and paradox you know I think we've become we lean heavily on believing in things as black or white yes or no this or that right or wrong right or wrong is a big one and uh, I think it's pretty common for us to believe our way or our beliefs are the right ones and then when when we're presented with or when we witness something different that first response that first reaction of defensiveness of this is a threat to who and how I am and what I believe and you know this whole like I've been learning about 
what cognitive dissonances this last year and it's so common especially when we're stressed especially when our root chakra when our foundation our like our means of survival have felt potentially threatened all year and maybe all our lives for some of us um and even if they haven't we we it's like highly likely many of us have inherited mindsets of scarcity even if we're abundant which you know from some points of view we are i'm like severely abundant that that sounds like an oxymoron <laughs> we're like extremely abundant you know a roof over your head a furnace running um running water running warm water a dishwasher like a queen size bed amazing king size bed phenomenal maybe excessive <laughs> that's judgment from my point of view <laughs> my parents sleep in a double bed it's amazing um i don't know if it's amazing but it's uh like i applaud them <laughs> uh they probably don't want people to know that uh but they're also i think slightly proud of it um interesting how we make those limitations our our um areas of pride isn't it so yeah, that's one little hint of like where I'm coming from based on who I was raised by. Um, yeah, let's see, I'm just taking a breath and looking out the window and feeling, feeling what's coming to me. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a big chunk of story still to be told from my point of view. And this is complex and, you know, there's some feelings in me of, of, um, you know, will people get defensive because my point of view is not their point of view? Will that get me rejected? Uh, I have a, I have a big rejection wound. I've, I've been working on it. I've been trying to heal it, but it's there still. That's like, um, I want to say like should I say this like unfortunately but also it's been beneficial <laughs> like obviously this is my path and my karma but unfortunately um I've been motivated in so many ways uh from my actions to to um for my actions to be motivated by avoiding rejection and it's becoming more and more clear and I can see wow that that's like a whole other podcast if not series of podcasts so <laughs> that episode will probably come too um and maybe you can relate and if you can't relate uh at least it might give you some insight into me or other people because I'm like almost 100% sure that there are quite a few people with some form of rejection wound and living and moving through the world uh motivated by uh, not by like you know the good or or like what their heart's inspiring them to do but but more motivated my more kind of disempowered and moving through life uh trying to avoid rejection and i can super relate so if you can relate you're not alone <laughs> um yeah i hope to you know become so aware of that that it it doesn't it's not like the guiding force in my life but I've started to see that I um 
yeah it's it's like a cycle and the longer you stay in it the harder it is to get out of it and i know it's not the only cycle i'm in and i know i have also an optimistic outlook on life but it sort of has become habitual which means i need to create a new habit uh, to grow you know to grow forward in my life um so so as not to make this episode too long and to wrap it up and leave you slightly hanging for what happened through the fall and um maybe some bigger lessons or where i'm at today uh, stay tuned tune in to the next episode i'm just asking myself if i should offer you anything like a journal prompt yeah i think you know if you want some takeaways uh get a pen and paper and in just a second i'll give you some some things to reflect on So if you have a pen and paper, you can write down these questions for reflection. You don't have to write them down. If you want to just think about it, think about it. So looking back over the last year plus, let's just look at where were you at at the end of 2019? Let's say New Year's Eve or Christmas. Just observing like what were the major life events or themes <clears throat> and then look forward to um just before just before we knew the pandemic would would you know kind of arrive to where you live for me in Canada and North America it was early to mid March that that we started to realize what what was really happening uh so what were the life events, the overarching theme, what are the markers in time and how are you feeling? Or, you know, who, what were your main relationships? What was work like? What was home like? What were your goals? What were your troubles? And then just sort of scanning with your senses and your awareness and your memory through March April and May, you know, realizing that the isolation would be extended and extended. And just observe, you know, how, how did last spring and summer go for you? What were the, you know, markers, the events, the overarching themes, feelings, <clears throat> challenges you had to work through relationships one thing I'm, I've left out uh, unintentionally was what were the the good times in those moments you know what was bringing you joy at the end of 2019 and what was bringing you joy in until March and once the pandemic started for us what could bring you joy or comfort if there wasn't much joy in your perception? What was bringing you joy or comfort or love or compassion through the spring, through the summer, <clears throat> into the fall, into, into winter and holiday season 
and through the new year. And all the way till now, you know, from from New Year's to early to mid-March 2021. Uh, looking back and reflecting, who were you one year ago from today? Who and how? And who and how are you now, right now, today? And which parts of you were polished and refined? You know how gems are polished by tumbling and, and you know, like a sword is refined in the fire. Which parts of you were polished and refined through uh, the hardship that you lived through? If you don't want to call it hardship, if it wasn't at all, or if it was more so, choose your word. I guess what I'm asking is, what was revealed? What what strength or resilience or gifts or, or joys or contributions or... Uh, and even on the other end, like, which... Which... Um, weaknesses, I don't know if that's the right word, but, like, where were there little gaps revealed to you that maybe weren't shown at other places in your life until now and what did you learn from that what did you learn from those things showing up the good and the bad even though I I don't want to fully judge or label things as good or bad but kind of leaning into those that spectrum of feeling and now where you're at right now who and how you are and what you've been through now what you've lived through what you've experienced uh, have your values changed? Have your priorities changed? What is most important to you? Perhaps even list your top 10 values and see if you can refine and order the top 5, top 3, and see if you can make those values, um, your values so not a list of ways you can help the world or help your family or help your friends what are your values what guides your life what guides your decisions when all of these are in alignment and in flow for you your life should feel satisfying or fulfilling uh should also maybe isn't the right word <laughs> but I think you know what I mean and and also if it doesn't feel aligned and fulfilling it could just mean you've aligned with what were your values and now they've become even more clear and and so you're able to see the next layer the next level of refinement and that is more clear because you aligned you've taken steps you know you can't you can't climb to the third level before you climb from the first to the second level. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, adios.